lucky year or unlucky year. They all want blessings ne, for the new year. Have a blessed year, have a fortunate year. But what do you think? One person is not keeping precepts. They're stingy and egoistic. They're acting very foolish and very stupid all year, every day, hurting and harming others, breaking precepts, never doing anything good, not practicing kindness, not practicing compassion, being cruel, angry, and they get a blessing for the new year from the monks. The other person, they're not getting a blessing from the monks for the new year, but they're practicing generosity every day. They do something good for others. They're keeping precepts, really very purified, five precepts every day, come what may, they keep it. And they're practicing mindfulness. They are practicing loving kindness, metta, and compassion when they interact with other humans. And when they get angry, they quickly let go. And even if they feel upset, they are not using harsh speech. They're not acting in any way to hurt or harm anyone. And they're developing meditation, calming their mind, samadhi. They're developing insight, contemplating impermanence. So who of these two will be doing better in the new year? The one messing around and not doing anything good and getting a blessing? Or the one not getting a blessing and practicing really well? Exactly. The one uh, who is not getting the blessing but who is creating the conditions for what is called good luck, in inverted commas. Because no blessing can reverse your bad karma. No curse can take away your good karma. Now that is one thing we have for sure. It's one thing we can really rely on. And this is why the Buddha encouraged the lay community to have faith in karma rather than having faith in blessings, holy water, amulets, good things, spells, horoscope. What's your horoscope saying for the new year? You should be better than the horoscope anyhow. Because if you're a real Dhamma practitioner and you make lots of good karma all the time, you should be doing better than what your horoscope is telling you. You should be more lucky. Now this is basically a deluded idea of good luck and bad luck. That is one teaching in which the Buddha would always, uh, from the more philosophical, metaphysical teaching, so to speak. You know, would always strongly oppose any teaching which says things are happening just fortuitously. It may happen, may not happen, good luck, bad luck. Because if you are only depending on good and bad luck, now how can you improve your situation? 
but then there's nothing you can do when you have bad luck. And similar, the other teaching the Buddha would uh, very strongly refute and oppose is that everything is determined and you can't do anything. It will come, the way it is predestined, and there's nothing you can do about it. Because again, if that was the case, what would be the point in trying anything? But what the Buddha teaches is the efficacy of karma, the efficacy of action. Everything that happens has got a cause. There's nothing completely fortuitous. There's nothing just good or bad luck. Either it is our actions now, or it is a karma, it is a karma from our actions from a previous lifetime. No, and usually as a combination of both. Very important to understand that point. You do not depend on good or bad luck or that something may happen fortuitously, but it's our actions, how we act now, and the karma from previous actions coming back to us every moment. For example, today, Saturday, New Year for Singhalese, Thais, Myanmar, and someone goes out really celebrating New Year. They go into the valley, into some pub or bar, and then they're drinking all night, and next day they have a huge hangover, and there's a huge headache from the hangover. And then they say, oh, I'm so unlucky, I always get headache. Does it make any sense? Do they get a headache because they are unlucky? Do they get a headache because they got sloshed the night before? That is a direct cause of the headache the next day. And if they had spent the day instead at Damagiri and then meditating at night, they probably would be very uh, happy and healthy and fit on the next day. Or imagine that they're drinking all night, next day they have the hangover, and then they say, I feel so miserable. I must have so much bad karma from past lives. Does it make any sense? No, this is the action just from yesterday. The karma is not just the actions from a previous lifetime or many lifetimes ago, but it's also what I'm doing now. And it's also what I've been doing yesterday and a year ago. That is all part of the karma I'm experiencing. And so nothing happens by chance. Everything happens due to karma, and karma means action. But of course, it's also not deterministic. Because when some past karma arrives, and then maybe one person doesn't go out getting sloshed and they live very healthy and then they still get a headache. It can happen. So if you're looking after your body, you're not doing anything to hurt or harm you or others and then you still get sick, then we know it can't be our actions now because right now we have been doing everything to live healthy. So that one must be coming from the past, from some past karma.
that can even be lifetimes ago. But we have an option how we respond to that. And some people, when they have a headache, they get very grumpy. Have you seen people like that? Had a headache, then they get very grumpy. And they get angry for the smallest little thing. And they immediately scream and yell. And then they give other people a headache as well. <laughs> and because of that, they are already creating the karma that they get headaches again in the future. Because they're so grumpy and they have a headache that others are suffering. And then we make others suffer. The one result of that may be that in the future we get a headache again. But another person, also looking after their good health, not doing anything wrong, they still get a bad headache. So obviously caused by some past karma. But now they're not getting grumpy. And even if they feel miserable themselves, they're still wishing, may everyone be happy and healthy, may everyone be well, may no one get such a bad headache like I have got it. May everyone else has got a headache like me be freed from it. May I be free from the headache. May all beings be happy and well. And even if they get provoked with a bad headache, they speak friendly words, they're not retaliating, they're not yelling, they're not insulting. So they're not creating the karma for future headaches. They're creating the karma for a long life and health and happiness. This is a difference. They both had the same kind of past karma, that some bad action from the past comes to maturity, and although they didn't anything wrong right now or yesterday, they still get some sickness. But how they deal with that, how they respond, now there is a difference. And some person, they have some bad karma coming up, and then they end up making more bad karma. Another person, they have some bad karma coming up, but they nevertheless make good karma. And then in the future, they will have very different experiences. The past karma we can't change, but we can put in lots of good karma now, and we can respond skillfully to any bad karma that arrives. It's quite fascinating that sometimes people who don't have that much good karma, they may know what to do with it. And other people who have so much good karma from the past supporting them, they're just wasting it. It's basically the same with some rich guys who are inhabiting all the money from their parents. And they're 20 years old, they already have 100 million given by their parents. And another person doesn't even have the money to study and they work every day, can't go out and are saving every cent that they can do their studies, that they can get a good job.
And the fascinating thing, the guy with a huge amount of good karma, the rich parents, lots of money and so on, sometimes they're just wasting it. And they're not studying, they're only partying. And before you know, the hundred millions are wasted. And at the end of their life, you know, they may have nothing or very little. And the other person who started you know, from a very difficult background, maybe even an orphan or from very poor background, single mom bringing him up, whatever. But they're working very hard, very diligently. And they start earning money and they have a good career and maybe they start their own business. And at the end of their life, you know, they may have a hundred million. And it's exactly the same with karma. Some people have lots of good karma, but they're just wasting it. Some others don't have so much, you know, but they're really making good use of what they have. And then they have a better outcome. It's a little bit like cooking. Have you ever seen some person that has got the super expensive melee kitchen and all the appliances and the very expensive uh, copper pans and pots and the most expensive microwave and high-tech oven and all the expensive ingredients and they can shop in the supermarket and spend a thousand dollars and they invite some people to buy food and no one really enjoys the food they're cooking <laughs> because, because they're an awful cook. It's just not nice. It's not tasty. And another person, there may be an old grandmother in a Sri Lankan village and she has only very simple ingredients and she only has gotten a, a kind of a stove with firewood which you have to collect and everyone loves the food she is cooking because she's such a good cook. Now this is an example how we can make a lot out of even not so much good karma. This is an example how some people even with lots of good karma turn it into a mess. So on the modern again to all the busy bees who came out and use the new year to straight away and generate and create lots of good karma. Maybe we may still have to deal with bad karma coming from the past. But if you keep precepts, you're not really making any really bad karma. It's quite amazing that with just five precepts, you're protected from all the really serious bad karma. And if you practice generosity and loving kindness, well, you will make huge amounts of good karma very quickly. And then you know in the long run, in the future, and it's always going to get better. So for the old karma, bad karma, still arriving, we practice with equanimity, with patient endurance. Okay, some bad karma is gone. Why do I have to get sick? Why is it always me getting the flu? No need to complain. Okay, some bad karma gone. And now I'm keeping precepts. 
now I'm practicing generosity, now I'm developing mindfulness, now I'm developing samadhi, calming the mind with a suitable meditation object, now I'm developing insight by contemplating impermanence, contemplating the conditioned arising of all phenomena, letting go, I will always get better in the future. So never think that things happen just fortuitously by chance. But also don't think the other extreme, don't think that everything is determined. A karma doesn't mean that you can't change things because how do you respond to the karma that you experience? And this is where you make the difference. And if we are practicing a patient endurance, letting go, equanimity, with anything bad from the past arriving, then we are setting ourselves up for a better experience in the future. Exactly, there's an excellent simile the Buddha has given us. I can demonstrate that. The good karma is like nice fresh spring water. It's like making karma now by good actions, by kindness, generosity, by practicing compassion, and goodwill by developing wisdom and understanding as someone is doing that and then drinking it is like experiencing your kama, kama vipaka ah oh, very nice refreshing bad karma hurting, harming injuring being stingy and mean and tight being cruel, this is like salt. I don't have salt handy, I can't demonstrate that fully. But imagine if I take a heaped Chinese spoonful of salt, or maybe three heaped Chinese spoonfuls of salt, and I put that now into that cup. I've met some good karma, but now I do maybe lots of bad karma. Someone is breaking precepts, killing, stealing, and so on. And the salt goes in there. And now they experience their karma. What will it be like? It will be awful, ne? You can't really drink it. Taste horrible. And this is the result when the life is very tough. It's actually an indication that we experience bad karma. So what do I do now? I've got this cup which I will have to drink at some stage. And there's no all this salt, it tastes so awful. What do I do? More water. And of course, first of all, don't put more salt. Because <laughs> it can always get worse. <laughs> if you put still more salt, it will get even worse. So make sure no more salt, keeping the precepts. Not hurting or harming anyone. 
anupavadu, anupagato, not hurting, not insulting. And exactly what you said, they put more fresh water. Because imagine uh, I pour this salty water now into the bathing tub and then I fill the whole bathing tub with fresh water. Will you still taste the three spoons of... I think you may probably still notice it a bit, but it's not so bad anymore. Once you have a bathing tub of fresh water, the three tablespoons of salt never still mean the water doesn't taste really nice but you may be able to consume it now. And if you put so much good karma, you make so much fresh water that you have Lake Wyvenhoe. Have you been to Lake Wyvenhoe? I always find it uplifting. There's a beautiful view over the lake. And there's three spoonsful of salt in Lake Wyvenhoe. You will not notice. You wouldn't be even able to tell. And it's the same with bad karma. Now someone may have made so much bad karma and maybe they have been killing as hunter, as fisherman, as soldier, or maybe having abortions. And so someone has accumulated a really heavy bad karma from killing human beings even. However, later they make heaps and heaps of good karma. The loving kindness, maybe even samadhi. They practice so much meditation that they have even samadhi. They're really generous in starting monasteries, supporting them, supporting the sangha, practicing compassion and kindness. And that is not like having a whole lake Wyvenhoe full of good karma. And then the result of all this bad karma, even killing human beings, may only be one day with a bad headache. Because it mixes together. Another person who has done that, hunting or fishing or killing in war or having abortions, they may go even to hell. The bad karma may be so strong that they don't even get a human rebirth. They may be reborn as a peter, hungry ghost, as an animal, they experience heaps of suffering. Because they had no good karma to dilute that. But the other person who had so much good karma like Lake Wyvenhoe, even a lot of bad karma may be gone by just a headache. That's the difference. There's one story in illustrating that in the Buddha's time. You probably have all heard of Angulimala. Have you heard of Angulimala? Now the worst mass murderer in ancient India, the worst kind of you know, gangster. And he would you know, rob people and murder them and then he would wear <coughs> their fingers like a garland around his neck. So he would also look very uh, scary when you saw him with his garland of necklace of fingers, cut off fingers. And yet already killed 999 people. And then the Buddha went to see him because he could see with his psychic powers that 
Despite being such an evil criminal, he also had lots of good karma from the past. He even had pavamis. Because in fact, he was misled by a wrong teacher. He had a wrong spiritual teacher who told him that this kind of worship of some evil demon is a, is a good thing. So he wasn't such a bad person, but he had a very bad teacher who was giving him a completely wrong, misleading spiritual teaching. This is how someone, even with considerable good karma and power, me ended up becoming a murderer by a wrong, misleading spiritual teacher. So the Buddha, seeing that he has that potential and he could become an Avahant in this life from his Pavami. But the next person going into the forest would be his own mother and he would then kill even his own mother. And then the karma would be so bad that he would definitely end up in hell the next lifetime and even the Buddha couldn't do anything about that. So the Buddha went there and then he did some psychic power that it appeared as if he's walking very slowly. But when Angulimala went after him, he couldn't catch up. And he was very fast. Angulimala could even catch a horse. He could even catch an elephant. He was such a fast runner. But although the Buddha seemed to be walking very gracefully, very dignified, mindfully, slow, he just couldn't catch up with him. This is actually also a beautiful metaphor. Have you ever tried to run after the Buddha, to run after getting enlightened in your meditation? You've got only 10 days in your retreat, so you really want to meditate quick now that you get enlightened in the 10 days. Does that usually work? Can you catch up with the Buddha by running after him? It doesn't usually work, no. So, in the end, Angulimala got exasperated and he shouted at the Buddha, Stop, ascetic, stop. And the Buddha said, I have stopped. You stop. So he told Angulimala to stop. And Angulimala never surprised. And he said, no, these ascetics, they're usually not lying. They shouldn't be lying. Why does he say he has stopped and I can't catch up with him? And why does he tell me to stop? So he asked the Buddha to explain that. And what's the explanation? That the Buddha has stopped doing evil. The Buddha has stopped making bad karma. The Buddha has stopped hurting and harming and killing. This is what the Buddha meant. This is what he has stopped. And this is what he wanted Angulimala to also stop. And that convinced him. That really convinced him. Of course, a psychic power no, that he couldn't catch up, that probably also had a major impact on him. No, but this simple instruction, Ditta, in Pali, Ditta, Stand still, stop. That really head home to Angulimala. And he asked to become a monk. And the Buddha ordained him. So from mass murderer to Buddhist monk. 
Of course, the Buddha has the ability and he could see that Angulimala had true faith and that he would be okay and that he wouldn't continue acting like a gangster or a murderer when he's in robes. Else it would be a bit risky. But with the Buddha's psychic power, he could see what would happen. And he ordained him. But again, metaphorically, it's also good instruction when you're running after the Buddha in your meditation. When you're trying to meditate fast, to quickly attain samadhi, to quickly become enlightened, and you're trying to push to make your mind quiet, now remember that instruction, a stop. That's a good one when you meditate, occasionally to remind yourself, stop, stop. It's often more effective to stop in your meditation than trying to run metaphorically in your meditation, metaphorically running after the Buddha, running after enlightenment, doesn't work like that. Instead you stop. So Angulimala stopped killing. And he was a really good monk. Very frugal, content, simple life. Practicing metta, practicing loving kindness, practicing compassion. And then one day he goes arms round. And people recognize him. And he may have killed even some of their relatives or friends. Ne? So although he is a monk now, they attack him. But he doesn't fight back. He's just walking quietly. And they're attacking and they're throwing the stones and shards at him. And fight him. And when he goes back from Amson, the Buddha sees him coming from the distance. And his bowl is broken. And his robe is torn. And the skin on his head is split and he's bleeding, bleeding profusely. Guess what the Buddha told him when he saw him coming? He told him, bear up, Brahman, bear up. He calls him Brahman. He's not a Brahman, but in uh, the metaphorical sense, the spiritual practitioner. Bear up, monk, bear up. Because you're now experiencing the result of this really bad karma you have made, which normally you would be roasting in hell for hundreds of thousands of years. And now you're experiencing it with that attack. Warp torn, bowl broken, head bleeding. But compared to hundreds of thousands of years roasting in hell, this is nothing. Now, this is a real statement by the Buddha, how that worked. Because the good karma after Angulimala gave that all up, and then he was a monk, and he was a really good monk, and he kept the vinya perfectly, and he really made an effort in meditating, in developing samadhi and insight, and so on. He did it all. The incredible amounts of good karma. And because of all these heaps of good karma, even the extremely bad karma from killing almost a thousand people, even that incredible severe karma from killing almost a thousand people, 
It was gone, the Bethesda tag. So next time someone attacks you, just be happy. Endure with patience. Return by radiating loving kindness. And who knows, there may be some bad karma from the past, which is gone now. And you continue radiating matter and it will all be good in future. Okay, any comments, questions? Does it make sense what I'm saying? Will you happily endure all hardship now, rejoicing that you're burning off some bad karma? Will you all make a big effort to put more fresh water under whatever salt you may have created in the past? Will you use a new year for generating punya, for developing mindfulness, for calming the mind in samadhi, watching the breath? Practicing metta, loving kindness, until your mind uh, settles down in samadhi. This is how you really pour water, you can't believe it. This is like a tsunami of water, of fresh water. When you manage uh, to get samadhi from metta, there's so much good karma you can't even imagine. If someone can uh, develop loving kindness to the extent that they attain samadhi, Metta samadhi, metta jhana. You can't imagine how much good karma that is. And you wouldn't have to worry much about whether you have done anything bad in the past anymore. That is so powerful. Buddha especially recommended metta. If you worry that you may have bad karma, and how can you dilute that? The loving kindness is the most powerful. So someone is asking, uh, what is more powerful, what is more good karma? And to really do some action, really helping someone actively by doing something good for them, by giving them money or food, or not doing anything externally and just sitting there and meditating on loving-kindness. Now, if your meditation on loving-kindness is really good and you have samadhi, so good that you even get samadhi, I don't think there will be any actions which can compare with that, any external actions. And even if you give millions of dollars to other people, the metta samadhi is still more good karma. However, I know many people who find it quite difficult to get metta samadhi. And if you're just you know, sitting there and you're thinking, May all beings be happy and well, may all beings be happy and well, and what do I eat in the evening, and what is happening with the neighbor, then it doesn't work. So for most people, they will find it much, much easier to make good karma by actually doing something for others. And they can make lots of good karma in that way. And when they sit down and try to meditate, now their mind may not be so focused. Or they may even get angry. May all beings be happy and well, and may all beings be happy and well. And she said that I'm really stupid. How could she have said that? Before you know, now you're thinking angry thoughts. 
I mean, you're making bad karma in your meditation. So it depends, and you can't answer that, which one is making more good karma. It depends on how well they are doing it. But most people will find it very easy. You can't really go wrong very... You can't easily go wrong by doing good actions to other beings. That is much more manageable. That's the easier practice. But you may not get this totally outrageous amount of good karma like someone who has metta samadhi. On the other hand, the metta samadhi is more powerful, is more good karma. But for most people, it's much, much more difficult. But the good thing is you can do both. It's not either or. You can go out and do good actions for others, and then you already have that much of good karma. And then additionally, you sit down and try to do metta samadhi on top of it. I think that is the best approach, doing both. Very good question. <laughs>